Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, shaving your downstairs area can be difficult, but those troubles are a thing of the past with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring skin-safe technology, it glides nice and smooth, so you're not in any danger of nicks and cuts to your delicate downstairs area. It also has a convenient LED light, so you can see where you're trimming, plus it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. I've been using mine for a few weeks now, and it's awesome. It works great, and it will totally change your grooming game. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes included in the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Crop Reviver and Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get all these great products, as well as a super comfortable anti-chafing boxers, plus a great travel bag to carry it all in. The Perfect Package is valued at over $150, but right now you can get it all for just $89.99. Manscaped features some of the perfect gifts to give to the men in your life. Gift your friends, your family, and yourself the gift of Manscaped. Right now, when you go to manscaped.com, you can use the code BABBEL and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's BABBEL, B-A-B-B-L-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And we are live for the 98th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Andrew, G, and Gus on the pod with you tonight. Uh, and things are about as bad as they've been in Yankee land. We're coming up with two weeks left on the season. And we don't really have much of a template tonight, but we haven't potted since the middle of the 13-game winning streak. And uh, things have certainly changed uh, in that in that time since the Yankees are now out of the wild card again, fighting to get back in. And we don't, like I said, don't have a template for tonight. We're just going to sit here and just break down what's what, what the season has become and, and the state of what what's looking to be a, a lost season. So I'll kick it out to you guys right away. Uh, what's going on? Um, yeah. So the last time we potted was August 26th, which was a few days short of the end of the 13 game winning streak and little did we know right It'd be like oh you know we were all feeling good um gallo and rizzo people were still buzzing about that a little bit and then they split they went to oakland they won the first two games they lost the next two and that sucked and then it all just went downhill from there and more and more and more it just got worse and worse, and that 13-game winning streak went away really quickly. All the benefits, all the gain in the standings, it all just—they just pissed it away as soon as they, as soon as they got it, it was gone. And um, you know, and that's that. And now we're in a tough spot. And when I say tough spot, that's being a little generous, but you know, we're kind of just up shit's creek right now. Well, and in terms of their last two games, just absolute ass kickings by the Cleveland guardian baseball team. Uh, that's, they've had some, some bad moments. That's about as bad considering the stakes of where they sit right now. That's about as bad as you can get those back to back, just like double digit or near double digit, just awful, awful lifeless losses. That was, that was rough. Well, 
I would say yes, but also they're in a close game with the Rangers right now as we record. And the Rangers are worse than the Indians slash Guardians. So it, it could be very much worse in just a matter of minutes. Look, it, it's been said at nauseum uh, that the Yankees' issues stem from the inconsistencies of the offense. And I think there's no more shining example of that this season than their performance against the Baltimore Orioles. Not only just because that's a team that they should have done much better this year than they did. Obviously they won the season series, but that's not saying much because a team that currently has over hundred losses as we speak, but in relative comparison to the other three teams in our division who all currently hold playoff spots, the Rays went 18 to one against them. And then I believe um, the, the Jays and the Red Sox both have about 12 or 13 wins. Um, I'd have to double check that, but the Yankees are a team that, we'll put up nine, 10 runs once in a while. And you'll think like, oh, wow, look, the offense is back. And then you just have three weeks straight of them scoring two, three or four runs. And that's not going to cut it. And we said it back in April. And I, and I don't think I could have comprehended it being this big of an issue in the moment. You kind of felt like maybe you were a little bit of a, of a prisoner of the moment. Like, yeah, it's early. This is how I feel. They can't be like this all year. They're, they're going to miss the playoffs. Well, guess what? They've been like this all year, and it is literally, absolutely infuriating that this team was built to hit home runs, drive runs, driving runs at at a historic potentially clip, and now they're just absolutely struggling to get points, runs on the board every single time they take the field. I, I can't. Someone else take it. Well, I think that the Cleveland series speaks to your point. They scored eight runs in the first game. It was a lap for eight zip and then back-to-back games of three and one uh, heading towards a, perhaps a four run performance here, perhaps and more. Uh, but I think that those last three games kind of speak to your point and the inconsistency. Honestly, I think of this Yankee team where it's like, you know, you see on a cartoon or something you see it's, you know, someone, um, you know, there's a leak in the wall or something like that, and you plug it with your finger, and then another one pops up. So you plug that one, and another one pops up. It's like, oh, well, they scored eight runs and uh, one night, and then they score zero or one or two the next night, or, the, you know, the night that they finally get good hitting, the pitching shits the bed, right? You have Chad Green, we'll talk about him, right? It's like, oh, they have a lead in the ninth inning. What happens? The bullpen comes in, but gives a bunch of home runs. Like, it's it's like it's never the same thing two days in a row it seems like that sometimes it's the defense sometimes it's this or that the other thing but it's just so awful and annoying and it just hasn't been fun for basically every bit of the season except for august and i think the worst part is is that there's not enough time in any of our days to get into every one of those issues right it's not like a few guys aren't performing now i've been very critical of a guy like Joey Gallup since we got him. I think there's even a tweet out there that I said he's one of the worst acquisitions of Brian Cashman's tenure. And to be honest, I know he has a what five, six, seven home runs, but he hasn't really done anything. Um, like he's been abysmal, right? Uh, you look at a guy like Glaber Torres has just been an unmitigated disaster the entire season. DJ LeMayu has been top five MVP every single year he's put on the pinstripes and then he completely bottomed out this year. There's no shortage of players who have struggled, right? We've had Britain go down with injury. Chapman looked 
like the best reliever in history the first half of the season. And then whether it was because of spider tack or the length of the season after the COVID shortened last year, or just him hitting a brick wall, whatever it may be that he fell off the face of the earth. The Yankees have never really recovered from losing Aaron Hicks early in the year. And they're just fumbling for a center fielder all year. Um, Luke Voigt has never really gotten consistent playing time. Uh, and, and when he has, has looked good for one stretch and then looked awful on another, it, Again, amidst three trips to the aisle on top of that, there's just so many things that went wrong this year. And part of me just wants to chalk and be like, just end the season, just put, just twist the knife, end it, and we'll reset next year. But I don't feel comfortable about where this franchise is headed unless there are significant changes. And that's not the purpose of this podcast. We're not going to get into that, dive about changes that we, that could be made. Uh, what, what do you do about Cashman? What do you do about Boone? Who do you potentially go out and acquire next offseason? That's a future podcast. But I don't even know where to begin that if we were to go down that route. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll, we could start and it'll just go, but something that really has annoyed me, like, you know, Aaron Hicks, him getting hurt was obviously not ideal. That stunk. And for like the fifth year in a row, Brett Gardner wound up playing more than he otherwise probably should have and to his credit he's been pretty good the second half of the season you know he's been much more usable than he was the first half of the season and uh the, the guy's a consummate pro and Luigi's probably gonna edit all this out because I talked good about the guy but um he has been but it's still not playing a right when you go out and get Rizzo and you get Gallo um those guys are gonna play and they are playing and that's wonderful but something that has bothered me, and I brought it up multiple times in group chats and this other thing, and be like, look, get Rizzo, get Gallo. They're both going to play. They were both upgrades over what was being played, and that's wonderful. But, like, the second half of that sentence is if you keep Luke Voigt, the Yankees are doing basically the stupidest version of this scenario, which is keeping Luke Voigt and not playing him. So... You know, if you if you're gonna get him and Rizzo in the lineup at the same time, that means you have to do, you know, you have to have Stanton in the outfield, and he's done pretty well out there. You have to have Judge playing center field, which he's a good fielder and has acquitted himself beautifully, and you have to play Gallon left, which is fine because that's where he's been playing. And you have to have Void at DH, and they instead do that maybe once a week, and otherwise he just sits on the bench for days at a time. And if you're going to keep the man, right, he's a young 20-something. He hits a lot of home runs. That's all well and good and wonderful. But, like, if you're going to keep the man, then play him. Otherwise, you just look like a fool. And that's exactly what they've done. I think you hit the nail on the head. That's And I would pose this question to you guys. One, The one thing that I want to see in these next, uh, you know, 12, 11 games is for that lineup with Judge and Center – and Stanton in the outfield, and Rizzo at first, and Void at DH, is for that lineup to be played in every game, regardless of who's pitching, regardless of whether there was a day off before that. I don't care right now. It's about winning as many games as you can in the rest of the season. Uh, that's the one thing I want to see is that lineup played every day. But I would pose this question to you guys. What is one thing that you want to see in these next 12 games that would make you feel at least better either heading into the postseason or heading into the offseason. There's not there's a lot, nothing. but there's got to be a, there's got to be a couple of things. No, there's nothing for me. Um because the Yankees aren't going to all of a sudden start scoring seven or eight runs a game. 
Um, you're not going to suddenly get three high-end guys at the top of your rotation. Uh, we we don't really need to get into what Cole did yesterday, but he's certainly entitled to a poor start with the season he's had. Um, Gary Sanchez isn't suddenly going to flip the switch. And progressively, he gets less and less defenders every offseason. And those guys keep saying, this is going to be the year he breaks out. This is going to be the year he breaks out. And every once in a while, you know, I, I play hopscotch with that line too. And I kind of want to defend him. And he he just, he's, he's beyond forgivable at this point. Um, there's not enough arms in the bullpen to carry leads from the fourth or fifth inning unless your starter goes six, seven innings. There's not enough arms or quality arms to get you from the fifth inning through the ninth inning. There's really not much I can... Uh, that I, I can see changing my mind on this team. And and I don't see them just running the table and winning 11 straight games or at the very least something like well, 11, including tonight. So that'd be 12 and then maybe 10 and two. Like I, I just don't see a path to that happening. Um, so what's the best case scenario is that we squeak into a wild card spot and it may be Cole has one of those dominant starts and then we get washed in the ALDS. I, I don't know if that doesn't move the needle for me. Now, would it be exciting and would it change the sour taste in our mouth right now thinking that we're going to have World Series aspirations to not making the playoffs altogether? Maybe a little bit, but that doesn't change the state of the franchise and the problems that we've dealt with systemically all year as well as moving forward. Um, yeah, so if if you go from being a team that a lot of people, most people – pick the Yankees to be one of the few best teams in the American League. And if you go from there to missing the playoffs entirely, then that's unforgivable in terms of certain people's job statuses. Um, but, like, it's not very much better at all to be like, oh, well, yeah, we grinded it down to the last week of the season and snuck in and had Garrett Cole for one game and then lost in the same exact stage that we did last year. Like, it's not... It's like not even marginally better. It's just like technically on paper better. Um, and I mean, you know, not not that we have to again belabor the whole who's getting fired thing and whatnot, but like, you know, we've talked a lot about Aaron Boone this year, and like, you know, if you're the guy who presides over all that and you have this team right. You know, they make errors, they make outs on the bases. DJ LeMay, he was batting 100 points less than he did last year. You know, all this and that and the other thing, the lineups, everything, right? If you're the guy who presides over all that, and I just think that I think that he'd be the man. I think that he'd be the man to take that hit. And I'm not quite sure that you'd find a Yankee fan who'd be all that upset about it. Yeah, I, I think... If we want to get into that a little bit, um, something that I've been kind of thinking about, and I don't know what I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. You know, Aaron Boone having having played for the Yankees and having still been connected to the organization even after his retirement. Of course, he had that stint on TV. But you know what I what I think about when I see him talk to the media um, and a lot of the things he says. I think he just has. Obviously, he he cares a lot, and he has a lot of admiration for the team, and he loves the organization. I actually think that hurts him in a way to where he can't be as as harsh or really as demanding as as he needs to be. What do you guys think about that? Well, that's exactly who he he, he is, though. That's why they hired him. I don't know if it's a product of 
of his managerial tenure. Um, I, I also don't think that's necessarily related to his his what two year two excuse me two month stint with the team right before he got hurt got cut and then we went and replaced him with a rod but uh that's that whole kumbaya mentality where he can't be tough on players where he can't demand more than he's getting and he's just gonna roll out whatever he thinks is a suitable lineup. Like you mentioned, you want the the A lineup every game the rest of the year. There's zero chance that that happens. There's no urgency. Even with our backs up against the wall, one foot in the grave right now, he'll still, whether, again, it's him rolling up the lineup card or him writing in the names that, that the analytics department tells him to, I, I still believe that he has some say in it. They may make recommendations, but he still has some say in it. I, there's just no chance that they're going to get that change, that urgency, that pressure that, that you're asking for. And quite frankly, this team needs. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've had it up to here with this guy, honestly. I mean, I don't want to, again, I don't want to like belabor this and all that, but like, I will say, in fairness to him, you know, you manage the roster that you're given, and this particular roster had some issues from the very beginning as it relates to fit and defense and, you know, redundancy of the type of hitter, which is not his fault. But I also don't think at all, anywhere remotely in the neighborhood, that he managed the roster as good as it could have been managed. Um, and just... I mean, I, I know you have to. There's 162 games. You you run out of stuff to say because you have to go out and talk to the media every night, regardless of whether you win or lose. But like, this guy drives me absolutely crazy, right? What does he say? Oh, you know what? Well, we went out there and scored whatever, two runs or zero runs or whatever they scored. Oh, we the other put night. together some we, good at bats. I thought right? he's seeing the ball well. I thought he took some good swings. I thought he's his pitch. His pitches look good. Like. No, dude, Chad Green went out and gave up a home run to lose the game for the third time in the last two weeks. Like, don't tell me his stuff looks good. Like, fuck you. What are you doing? Stop lying right. to Like, the, the other night against Cleveland, and they had a really bad loss. They got washed, and they just got their butts kicked. And he goes, oh, well, you know what? They competed, and they tried really hard. He said that again, or he said that earlier in the season, right, for a really bad loss the same way. Maybe it was against Boston. Um, he just goes, oh, well, they tried really hard. I'm like, dude. You know what? They're supposed to. Whether or not they're in a good mood or a bad mood or they're not feeling whatever, they're supposed to go out there and try really hard every night. And when you say, when you comment on the fact that they did that, that would imply, in my opinion, that there's some nights that they don't do that. So I think, one, it's a stupid thing to say, and two, it makes you sound stupid saying it. And, you know... Not every, not every person, not every manager, not every whatever has that way with, you know, to charm the media or to not sound like you're saying stupid things. But he very much has the opposite of that, where he sounds like he's saying stupid things, even if he's not. And um, I don't think it's doing him any favors. It's damn sure not doing him any favors with me. Um, so, you know, I don't think he, he got a great roster. I don't think he managed the roster all that well, which is two sides of the same coin. But, like, he just... I've just had it. I just can't listen to him talk and say that stupid bullshit that he says every single time, right? There's no urgency. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I agree with, with both of you guys um, that I, I just don't think he is the right guy moving forward, even if, like you said, they managed to squeak 
into the playoffs and, and do whatever they can do there. Um, and again, we can get to, you know, alternatives and, and things in a, in a different offseason pod. Um, so we don't really need to get into that, but I, I would concur with both you guys. It's just so I, I'm really numb to it at this point that it's the same shit every single night. And as we're recording, Texas is now threatening two on, two out, former Yankee Nick Solak up at the plate against Joey Rodriguez, who, by the way, extended the inning because he couldn't handle a, a little number back to him to end the inning there. Uh, it, you just feel like in this moment, um, obviously, by the time you guys listen to this podcast tomorrow, you'll know the result of this game. But it just feels like in this moment watching this that there's just zero chance we escape this inning. And if it's not, and if we do this inning, then something will happen next inning because who the hell's going to come in? Chapman. There's no way they they activated Severino today, right? I mean, that's something we haven't talked about yet. Like, what 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 are they going to do? Activate Severino today and immediately throw him into a closer spot? There's zero chance of that. So, I mean, I said it in the group chat, and I'll say it again. Like bringing in Chad Green, and he allowed an inherited runner to score. And at the very least, right, Chad Green, who's given up all the home runs, and, you know, he's not the only bullpen pitcher who's been bad this year, but, like, would Severino be any worse than any of the guys who, on a rotating basis, have just crapped themselves in high-leverage situations? Like, it again, right, he's supposed to be one of the best arms in the organization. He's supposed to... You know, he they, they let him go, right, as a kid a couple of years ago against Cleveland in the playoffs. They let him go out there and pitch an important game and all these various things. Is he is he that bad, right? Could he could he be that bad? Like, I don't know. It's just, right, like, what's the point of bringing him back this late in the season if you're not going to use him? Well, there is a the whole thing about, you know, coming out of the bullpen and it being different than, than making a start. But I do understand your point that, like if, if the stuff is going to be there and obviously he's, he's not stretched out to be a full starter, he's going to be used at a bullpen. Yeah. This, that right. would be, but he's probably he's, be a situation. He's to out use of the bullpen. And, and Herman isn't activated yet, but he's done it too. Right. I don't like it. Uh, I don't know. Like, well, look to, right. to, to that end. I think that's where the Yankees kind of got cucked by injuries in the rotation. Um, and did Rodriguez just get the strikeout? I think he did to escape the inning. Wow. Um, but we, I think the original plan, at least, it's something that I kind of thought about weeks before it happened. And then I did see an article. It was either NJ.com or The Athletic or whoever mentioned it. Like, here, the, did the Yankees just tip their hand? The original plan was to have Luis Heel fill that same role that we're now putting Severino in because the bullpen was short on arms. And because of injuries, or I forget exactly what it was, that who went down because we had um, we had Kluber come back. Um, Herman has been out for a while, but uh, something necessitated heel going into the rotation where he's just been abysmal, by the way, since um, after his three-game start where he looked awesome. Uh, yeah, that's the plan, right? To, to get these guys who can throw hard and just gas it out. But even if Severino looks good, even if they do move heel to the bullpen and he looks good, it's at this point, it's too little too late. There's just so many games that we've given away because of the inability to, to hold a lead late. But by the same token, you can't put it all on the bullpen because the offense has had opportunity after opportunity after limitless opportunity to put games away. So you're up one or two runs and you have the opportunity for the kill shot. You don't get it. The team rallies later on. And then that's it. Or 
you get up in a, in a tie game in the ninth or extras with the free base runner and you don't come through there. We've seen it enough in a couple of bad losses to the Orioles in the last month. Um, there's just so many things wrong on both sides of the ball that you really can't finger point to say, these guys screwed up. Like if Chad Green blew five or six saves and you could point to those games and say, we're going to miss the playoffs by one or two games because he blew four of them and he only needed to blow half of them, the amount he did. And we still would have gotten in. Then you'd be like, yeah, that we can goat that guy. Right. But it's, there's not a single person on this roster who's free of guilt. Um, even a guy like Gio Urshela, who we haven't mentioned, has had a, a really, really poor year. And granted, I know he came down with with COVID uh, shortly after the All-Star break, and then he had the hamstring injury, but he's just not looked good either. Uh, it, it, there's really no shortage of guys who who are responsible for the situation we're in. Yeah, and uh, Matt, this speaks to something you said earlier, but if you break the game down to its its most basic, what is baseball about? It's about scoring runs and preventing runs. And they've never really been able to marry, except for that 13-game winning streak, they haven't been able to marry those two things for any significant stretch of time. Like you said, if they score, the bullpen may cough it up late, or when they get a good pitching performance, they can't score enough runs to support it. So it's just been kind of this inconsistent struggle all year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be like, well, I guess maybe one of us could be. I don't want to be the guy who just like comes on this purpose for the sole purpose of bashing Aaron Boone because it just oversimplifies like the problems that they've had all year. But like also at the same time, it's like, what what are they good at? What are they fundamentally sound at? What are they from start to finish from four years ago to now are they better at? I don't know. Probably nothing, right? Like, in it's terms hard. Of it's hard in to his tenure. Yeah, specifically point to something, and that kind of speaks to something. And I've reiterated is like, what what do they do? Like, what is the, uh, for example, a guy who's gotten plenty of uh, vitriol, I'll say, uh, throughout this year from a lot of Yankees fans is is Marcus Thames, the hitting coach. Like, what what does he do? What does that process look like? And it's frustrating not to be able to know that. And, you know, because they've had clearly they had problems scoring runs and, and getting more insight into their, you know, hitting development or, or hitting, you know, scouting process or whatever it may be could certainly try and alleviate some of those problems. But the problem is, you know, we just don't know enough about, you know, how do they train situationally? How do they train base running? How do they train defense we just don't know how those things are taught and it when there are problems with those areas of the game it it uh harkens us to to point to the manager and it's frustrating to not know how they drill those things and i would say that um you know not to be like oh if george are still alive or if joe girardi are still here or whatever because that's just silly but like the yankees didn't play like this they weren't they didn't have a parade of guys getting thrown out at home plate you know they, we like to make jokes about rob thompson or whatever like that you know waving guys around but like they weren't this sloppy and undisciplined of a team under joe girardi with a fair amount of guys you know a lot of the team has turned over but a fair amount of guys have been here since then and i don't know it's just you know, it's not to say like, oh, Joe Girardi would be a better manager for this team, but it's, in my opinion, a fair indication that someone else would be a better manager of this team than Aaron Boone is. 
ultimately, I don't even know who is most responsible because you look up and down the Yankees farm system and they have the the second best collective um, staff record in, in all of the major leagues. I believe they're all of their minor league teams collectively have something like a plus 680 run differential or something wild, right? Um, so clearly yeah, there's success within the organization, right? So is it just that the, the league has caught up to us at the major league level and we still have an edge in the minors? Or is it something different? Like I'll, I'll pitch this out to you guys just only because I, I did a, a podcast with um, – uh, Tampa Bay Rays podcast in the tank uh, earlier this year. And, and one of the guys mentioned that when the Yankees were struggling in, in April, he, he pitched um, an interesting idea, which I don't necessarily know if it's true. It, it sounds plausible, but who's to say, right? He mentioned like, Hey, look, Tampa Bay has had a really good stretch of knowing how to pitch the Yankees, limiting them to runs. Did they expose a fatal flaw, right? Did they write the blueprint on how to pitch the Yankees and keep them off the board? The answer may very well be yes, right? There's something that Tampa Bay did that the rest of the league caught wind of and said, oh, shit, that's how you beat the Yankees, and everyone's doing it now? Now, is that true? It's possible. I don't know for sure, but uh, what do you guys think? Is there something that is very obvious that the organization needs to assess in the offseason and say, okay, we have a we have a, a you know a weakness and everyone's exposing it, or do you think the talent is just not there? I mean, I think it'd be a little silly to say the talent's not there. There is a lot of talent there. The type of talent that is there and that the organization clearly prioritizes, you might have an issue with. I think the roster is redundant, right, in terms of right-handed power hitters. And now you got Gallo, who is, you know, he's a good defender and whatever he can throw and he can play defense, you know, the downside of bringing in a guy like Allo is the same thing as it was, you know, for having multiple guys, right? Gary Sanchez and Luke Void and whatnot. They're not going to hit for a high average and they're going to strike out. And, you know, if the organization is going to prioritize only guys who hit a lot of home runs and strike out a lot, then we shouldn't be terribly surprised, right? But like, I don't know. It's it's there's there's lots of talent on the roster. It's just that it's all the same kind of talent. And I don't think we can be super terribly surprised when, you know, Aaron Judge is the only guy who's sitting remotely close to 300. Right. Even with DJ LeMahieu, that's the one exception, I guess. But like it's it's all there's all the same kinds of players on the roster. I would kind of push back on the idea that there's some kind of magic formula to, you know, pitch to the Yankees to not let them score runs. I think a lot of the race success can be attributed to them having a strong pitching staff and sometimes good pitching just beats your hitting. Oh, wait, 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 a bad offensive environment, especially for the Yankees. Yeah, it, generally you're, you're correct, but the Yankees got got shut down twice by Rich Hill this year before he got traded. That's that's it, <laughs> there, there are I, and I don't know if I know enough about baseball to even be able to say yes, they are doing this this, this and this to pitch to the Yankees. To that's I the just, I just don't I know if that's know. an answerable question. I don't yeah. know if it's an answerable question. That's fair. 
So, and uh, you talked about the farm system, just a quick aside. I got to watch Anthony Volpe in, in person. That guy is legit. He's a killer. I'm uh, really excited about him. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessarily an answerable question. Um, but it, it is it is interesting to posit that, you know, maybe there is, if not a, a you know, pitch, specific pitch sequence or specific location or whatever, um, but it, there, if there is a general game plan that has been more refined this year against the Yankees than there has been in past years, but I don't even know if we, we could be able to figure that out. I mean, like, it's it's hard to say. Um, and I don't know what the Yankees' team batting average with runners in the scoring position is. I, if one of you guys want to find that, that would be fine. But, like, you know, I don't think anyone's performing too far outside of their career numbers, right? John Carl Stanton's like a career 280 hitter. He's hitting 270, and he's got almost 30 home runs, right? Aaron Judge is maybe doing better than we thought he would. He's batting close to 300. Like, that's all well and fine and wonderful. But, like, you know, it's – you know, none of these hitters are really like there's a man on second base just slap the ball to right field to put make contact kind of hitters. They're not. And the one guy who is isn't hitting, and that's DJ, right? The one guy who we relied upon maybe far too much as the guy who's going to drive in runners from, in scoring position. And what his deal is, I have no idea. That's a mystery to me that is really freaking aggravating. But, like... um. I think it's very possible with DJ. It's just that um, he hasn't changed his hitting approach, and and maybe it's it's a dead end ball, or maybe just the way he's getting pitched. But there's there's plenty of film of the pitches he he was hitting and the ones that he couldn't, and maybe the league is just <laughs> you know you see the hot and cold zones. Maybe they're just pumping the the blue zones on him all year. Which, I mean, that's probably it, I guess. Like, someone had pointed out, like, when Joey Gallo came over, right, teams were just pounding the edges with great success. You know, he's had a little bit of a nice couple games the last little while here, but, like, they're just pounding the edges. What is he doing? You know, I said this in one of our group chats. I said he's he's got the act down pat where he's surprised at strike three. Well, you know what? I would very much like for him to not – be so surprised and maybe even swing the bat once in a while but like all of this to say like you know no one's dramatically outperforming or underperforming their baseball cards they're just kind of performing as to who they are if you want to blame anyone blame brian cashman or blame the organization the way they prioritize one skill set over another Right, but it's not to say there's no talent in the organization, right? All the other minor league teams are doing well. It's just the major league team that's doing badly. And um, I think part of what the Yankees' issue is is that they they made their bed a few years ago, and now they're they're laying in it, right? So you went out and you you traded Araldis Chapman in 2016 for for Glaber Torres, thinking that he's going to be a core piece in the middle of, of your lineup in the middle of the infield for for decade or more to come right and he's still only what 24 25 there's certainly time for him to turn things around but if he doesn't that's a huge black eye on, on cashman right um, we have long-term high money contracts to relievers who have not performed this year so britain got hurt there's nothing you can do about that he had tommy john surgery so he's going to miss next year as well uh, and then chapman has his struggles although he 
um, is in currently in the ninth inning of this game, just struck out the leadoff hitter. Um, but, but, you know, there's so much that, that they've set up years prior that they, that they're still dealing with, right? You can't turn over the entire roster and add and try to compete. The only way to completely change the fabric of who you are is to rip it down to the studs, right? Is to not give out big time contracts for a year or two, reset your entire payroll standing, and then just go bananas in, in trades or free agency for, for an optimal year. Now there's a lot of shortstops available this year, but the Yankees have a log jam in the, in the middle infield. So every Yankee fan and their mother is going to want to go out and get one of those guys but you can't just force them in and just say, oh, we'll make it work, right? Gio's going to have to go, and you're going to have to move DJ to third. Glaber's going to have to go, and you're going to have to put that guy at shortstop. Uh, no one's going to take DJ after the year he's having with five more years on his contract. Like, there's there's limited flexibility, and this is kind of the, the tough spot we're in and why I'm hesitant to get excited for, for next year, regardless of what happens this year, just because of, of, of the shit that we've built up over the past few years it's going to be a slow burn breaking it back down. And I would add this as well. If you want to make a change managerial wise and you want to make a change coaching wise at the major league level, those guys are going to have to get paid. You're going to have to figure that out. And it's going to be it. And if you want to add after that, there's just going to be a lot you have to do and not a lot of time and or space to do it as you alluded to. I mean, I would say that, you know, it's not really realistic to just be like, oh, well, the Yankees, you know, with 30, 29 other teams who also are going to make moves and stuff. It's not realistic to be like, oh, well, they'll just turn over everyone, right? For, you know, all in one season. They'll make dramatic changes. You can make dramatic changes, but, like, uh, this is the core. And it, like you said, Andrew, it'll take a little time to really turn it all over. But I will say that, Cashman is widely regarded as one of the better and more aggressive traders. And a lot of times you don't even really see it, right? You don't see the moves coming, Ninja Cashman. So I wouldn't underestimate his ability to make meaningful change. But, you know, it wouldn't just be like, oh, the roster, right? I think you could say Aaron Boone is in serious jeopardy. His job is in serious jeopardy. If he goes, then most of, if not all, his coaching staff will go. Um, and there's guys around the roster, right? Like Britain, if you can find a way to get off his contract, if someone takes it, then I'm not sure who would, but, you know, there's money money saved there. Chapman's getting a little bit old. Maybe someone makes an offer for him. You know, uh, like there's there's all sorts of stuff you can go down the line, right? Gary Sanchez, that's a whole thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's been a couple of years now with this core. We thought they were going to cash one himself, right? We thought multiple championships and they haven't even gotten one and they're getting worse. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of room to make the change. It's just a matter of going out there and actually making it. And um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think if, if they go like they're going and they miss the playoffs or, you know, flame out in the division series like again um if it's up to cashman then he will because i think he's aggressive right it's not like he's lost the fire he's i don't think he's the one who's who's sitting on the payroll mandate or anything like that um i think if it's up to him he will get aggressive and make a lot of changes 
Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, I think you're going to have to see <laughs> that conversation between him and and Hal Steinbrenner, where he says, "Hey, you know," and uh, you think back to that scene in in Moneyball, probably hopefully with a different conclusion. You say, "Hey, I want X, Y, and Z, and I need X, Y, and Z amount of dollars," and it's just kind of up to whether Hal says yes or not. But uh, those are are conversations for at least a couple more weeks away as they play out this the rest of the season. Right. I mean, I guess we can, you know, in terms of ownership and what Hal Steinbrenner, right? I, I, I could say this thing if I want to make a cross-sport comparison. I know not everyone likes that, but like, you know, being that we're New York area sports team podcast, I will say that um, the Giants, right? The New York Giants have been bad for a decade now, and it gets to the point where you can change this, you could change that. It just gets to the point where when the ownership is embarrassed enough, when they're when they want the change to be meaningful, then they'll make the change. But until then, you know, we just have what we have. And in spite of all that frustration and stupidity and whatever else, they have a chance to make the playoffs. And um, I don't know. They just have to go out there and win games for the next week. Yeah, and and we're certainly going to try to stick with you guys uh, throughout that uh, no more three or four week layoffs. Um, it, it's just been a, a, a tough time with a lot going on. And then obviously the Yankees losing and no one wants to just come here and, and, and bore our listeners with shitting on, on the same team and hearing the same things that you're seeing on Twitter. But uh, we, we felt it was necessary to get on and uh, re- record tonight. Uh, the Yankees currently one out away from getting a win, a much needed win against the Rangers. Uh, the Blue Jays are are one out away from from falling to the Rays, so it, it could be a good night for for our playoff standings. But we'll we'll certainly get back with you guys in in a couple days and break down the the, the situation as it continues to develop towards the end of the year. Uh, so for Andrew, Gus, and G, this has been the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. Catch you next time. <laughs>